I think that's very yeah. funny what you I just mean, said. Thank I you. think that it was a very... <laughs> you saying that yeah. makes me think you don't. Because <laughs> that's how oh. you know people oh. things are funny. Oh. When people say that's very funny, what you said. That's very funny. <laughs> what do you want to get rid of? Um, oh, um, okay. I want to get rid of uh, unnecessarily l- apologetic rejection letters. Do you know what I mean? I'm um, about to know about more to of know what, what you I mean because <laughs> you're going to tell me well, just, what So, you, you know, I'm a playwright, and so that means I'm always applying to various things. Sure. Which also, of course, means I'm always getting rejection letters. Of course. Um, it's just part of the Collect game. the nose. Oh, yeah. I got a whole big stack of them. Um, and, like, I got actually two yesterday. It's always fun when you get multiple in one day. Um, and both just were like these long, long emails that did think, you know, they were, I mean, I can read you some of it. It's just like how they often are like, unfortunately we're so, you know, we loved what you did, you know, uh, as writers ourselves, I don't want to actually, I won't say who this is. Like you're a wonderful candidate. We're thrilled that so many writers are interested in creating, this was about like female on all female characters and creating strong, interesting female characters. You know, we also found ourselves with all these submissions and I'm like, okay, A, you're trying to, you know, make me feel like you actually, if you actually liked my work, then you would have picked it and B, like, poor you, you had so many, so much work to do to choose your people, you know? So I just feel like I prefer the ones. so popular and you don't understand (laughs) how difficult that is for me. Yeah. It's also funny because like, especially when you get multiple in one day or back to back, it's like some of them are like, we got a record breaking hundred things and others are like we got a record breaking you know 600 and so then i'm like oh okay so that one that was like a record breaking 100 <laughs> you're not doing so great right. with your submissions but anyways i just feel like it'd be better if they were sh- shorter to the point you know don't have to try to make me feel better mm. i already got a rejection and i'm cool with it don't worry you know yeah. so that's what i want to get rid of okay yeah um what i do it? duolingo yeah you do duolingo Occasionally, it's been a while. Yeah, we used to. We used to Duolingo, Duoly, Dueling, Duol. No, it's too close to what it just is. But I, I know I want. It it works really well on paper. No, but we used to like screenshot each other when they had like weird bears (laughs) and Frankenstein monsters. Um, Being like, pass the cheese. Pass the cheese. Well, um, I just want to get rid of stupid Duolingo mistakes because you know when you're just like you just oh yeah know this boom and then you type it out and you look at the thing that you know the Mm -hmm. answer is actually asking you because you're like in the ghost category and then you say ghost correctly um in which i certainly know how to do um i don't in spanish in spanish oh the word ghost i don't know the word ghost uh I don't, I don't know it, but I'll get there. There is a spirituality section. It's, it's symbol is a ghost. I'm sure that ghost will be on there or, you know, spirit. Okay. Uh, but wait, but what you're saying, what is... I'm saying is you do, you, and then you power that out. And then you didn't even check to see that, you know, your thumb had moved over mm-hmm. and you didn't type soy. You typed like S I Y, you know, or instead of like, you know, Esta, you typed Uta because you typed a W instead of an S mm-hmm. and you didn't check your sloppy thumb technique. Uh, or as the SCDMV in Charleston, South Carolina, a representative once said to me, because you've fat fingered <gasps> in the wrong letter. They said that to you? Yeah. Well, what ha- they didn't tell me that I had fat fingered oh, okay. something in. This Oof. guy who was a very bizarre guy and... I'm in an, an awkward situation because he basically 
Well, yes, regardless. Um, Intrigued. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't, well, let me just put, I'll just be honest and I won't be politically correct. Um, Uh Yeah, it's just that he was in no position to be like fat shaming Shaming anyone. I was like, what? And he, uh, he was just like, basically a ticket was misattributed to my license number. Like someone had, like it's the ticket, the picture of the ticket clearly listed a different license number, a woman's name, a different city, all these things. But when the person was typing in the number, they just typed in my license number by mistake. And then I was notified that there are two points on my life. So then when I'm contesting it, then the guy's like, Oh, we'll see about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I know for, I just, I'm not that person. I'm not, I know (laughs) that I didn't have a car on the date that this is suggesting I got a ticket. And then like he pulls it up and he's like hiding it from me. And I'm sitting there being like, dude, I, you're saying that my record is, is something that I'm claiming. It's not like if this is on my record, I should have the right to see it. I shouldn't have Mm -hmm. to fight you to see it. And then, uh, when he sees that it's wrong, he's like, Oh, well, I guess someone just fat fingered in the wrong number. And I was like, Mm. I I was not expecting that. Maybe though he didn't mean it as a, you know, a bad thing. Like as far as the word fat, you don't know that. I guess you don't know that. You know, I don't, I don't know that. He was just giving it the name because there need be no necessarily negative connotation right that word. a fact so, is a fact you know yeah. if it's a you know fat fingers hit wrong numbers uh as benjamin franklin once wrote uh yes yeah that's true his poor richard's almanac that is a fact yeah. So great, we're gonna get rid of though you stupid don't thing because mistakes. I because because then because look I ain't gonna pay for it going too fast. I'm not gonna pay for it sure. and you get health protection when you pay for it what you know pay to play some may say uh, but day by day day by Is day also in poor rich <laughs> no but like so then you lose your heart you can't play the game for like a day play, can't learn the language mm. for like 24 hours well then. Uh, you make the stupid mistake. It's like you weren't testing me on that thing. I just like I screwed it up. You were just going too I'm fast. not blaming the game. I just I want to be firmly say sure that I am that I'm the one yourself. that is making mistakes. I'm not okay. mad. Now occasionally they are inconsistent and with mm-hmm. with mistakes that they find okay and not okay. But I I do take full responsibility for <laughs> the stupid mistakes okay. that I may make or like I'll use sometimes if I just don't want to waste my fingers. On <laughs> typing out the English language yeah, we things, gotta save those. Gotta fingers. save those those ivory ticklers. Save that dexterity. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know what? Maybe they need the work. Otherwise, they get fat. Right. It's you a it's keep, a you it's know a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't use those, things, you yeah. end up making more you, mistakes because you get them yeah. fat old fingers. Now, uh, those sausage digits. <laughs> All right. I think okay. we're, we're I think moving. We're ready yeah. To move on. Yeah. yeah. But. But yeah, basically, like I use voice command to do the English thing and then I'll just like it'll just record the thing wrong. It'll like say like and instead of an. And then I just and my hubris causes me to collect, select, you know, 
to check the thing, like to submit. And then it's wrong because I didn't proofread. Great. Always proofread. What am I getting rid That's of this week? Hubris. I buried the lead. Um, you did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, Great. we can. I, Let's um, do it. Shall we? Let's get those Let's ivory ticklers moving get across. Get those these ivory. Well, the ivory ideas. tickles ticklers already did the plenty work. of okay. tickling, Let's, and so I'm what ready I'm to read. <laughs> Read what they tickled. Uh, read them and reap the fruits of their labor. Tickling. Oh, tickling. Tickling is work. Can okay. We, Sometimes pleasure Steven? is also Steven. business. Let's let's um, do it then. Okay. Great. Great. Um. <laughs> uh, welcome to Should We Keep This, <laughs> the cultural review podcast you know and love that goes back over the past fifty years of film, music, television, challenging your nostalgia to get at the question. <laughs> should, should, should we keep this? We keep this? <clears throat> now, I am Stephen Moskis. Yes, you are. And I am Gina Stevenson. And today, <laughs> we are talking about the films from 1983. I, uh, I was about to say that in Spanish, but I actually don't know how. Oh, 1983. Amazing. Thank you. The films are um, Return of the Jedi, which is the top grossing film. And Terms of Endearment. The best best picture picture winner. Which, I like this which today. I do, but I don't. Which act, I thought you were going like Houston. I, no, I did. Was but then, and then I went, you went something I went else. Like, I was like, is it Star Wars? Fake Aust- I don't know. Fake Australia. Fake Australia. Big chat. See, that's super. You cashed up, Bogan. So um, ah. this one, it was really hard to find a tagline for the year uh-huh. these movies were really really different and so right. i don't that this was not in any way a funny one it's just something a more about serious one. Uh, okay. Oh, go no but well i i i don't want to i don't want to steal the thunder so give me the thunder well, and then i'll it's, it's weak thin thunder that's like miles and miles okay. away all right so it's just this is the year of but, uh, sorry now i was gonna make a joke about thunder i'm sorry thunder. go please the year of redemption through death spoiler mm. alert sorry i should have said that first redemption people die in both these death. movies yeah I mean, maybe, uh, uh, something like the parents ain't that bad or mm, sure. because like, uh, a character from one movie, uh, a son is like mm-hmm. oddly understanding towards his father and very mm-hmm. presumptuous about like how much his father loves him. Mm-hmm. And then in another film, we'll not say which, uh, a daughter, what? Who is uh, not no spin? What some might say mistreated mm. by a mother. Mm. Uh, not saying who um, is also very like close and forgiving and resilient towards that bad treatment. So like a bad parenting, great child mm. thing. I don't do this. Sure. No, this I, is your thing. I know. I'm and s- I don't. I love this. I love this. I, Just because I've already I'm, got the phrasing, uh, I'm going to stick with redemption through death. I think it's great. applies. It, it also is, sure. it has undertones of parenting, mm. certainly. Right. You know. Honestly, if, if one were to engage okay. in a degree of uh, exegesis, in terms of what Get, you had turn just your said, microphone off and um, out right now, already. Then, Come on. then, you know, one would probably start to unfold all the layers that, that we have begun to work out already but i'd hate to uh put the cart before the proverbial horse shall we uh continue oh please yes with our format so 
God, yes. Um, I'm going to start with Return of the Jedi. That's the one I watched first. Don't Excellent. know about you. Indeed, um, I did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, okay, so this movie picks up where Empire Strikes Back left off. Uh, we can begin with a mission to rescue Han Solo, who, as we remember, was frozen in carbonite um, from the palace of Jabba the Hutt. C-3PO and R2-D2 arrive first, and then Princess Leia, who's disguised as a bounty hunter with Chewie as a fake captive, comes, and then finally Luke arrives and proves that he has really become a powerful Jedi um, because they, well, Leia unfreezes Han, but then they all kill Jabba and, like, kill a bunch of people, blow up Jabba's palace, and they all escape. Um, meanwhile, the Empire is busy constructing a new Death Star, and the Emperor this time is overseeing it himself, so it's serious. Uh, the Emperor's plan is to have Darth Vader bring Luke to him and convert him to the dark side of the Force. Um, the rebels learn of the location of the new Death Star, which is outside the forest moon of Endor. And our heroes head to the moon in order to deactivate the new Death Star's shield generator. But when they're there, they meet these, uh, these teddy bear-like creatures called Ewoks um, who are very bumbling and funny and also use primitive tools and stuff like that. Uh, Luke knows this whole time that he has to confront Vader to become a true Jedi master and he believes he can draw out the good in his father. So Luke allows himself to be caught and taken to the Emperor and he almost loses his cool, gives into his anger, turns to the dark side because it was kind of a trap that the Empire set for their the rebel forces. Anyways. Wait, would you... Are you saying... It's a um, yes, that's what I'm saying. And great. Well, yeah, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. I lost my, it's a trap was just so distracting because I love Admiral But we're in the Bar. third act already, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you got this. So, right, so he almost gives in, but then he refuses, he like throws away his lightsaber, um, the Empire, Emperor starts blasting him with his purple lightning fingers, but then Darth Vader won't let his son die. He sees his son suffering. And so he saves Luke, kills the Empire, dies in the process, but honorably, because he's good now. Mm -hmm. The rebels destroy the new Death Star, and they all end with a big dance party with the Ewoks. And Leia is also Luke's sister. That happens. Yes. We discover yeah. that earlier. Tell our sister. Important. You are right. <laughs> you are right. Exactly. Um, so there's not so much to say about this movie that uh, we've talked a lot about the other two films already anyway. So it's like um, I'm going to try to avoid too much crossover culture. Um, but yeah, oddly, I struggle to find a specific budget and uh, specific gross. I, I kept finding ranges. So uh, the range that I found was uh, $32.5 million to $42.7 million uh, for the budget. Mm -hmm. And then the worldwide gross was... Uh, approximately 475 to 572 million. Um, the this one the Oscars for uh, it won a special achievement Oscar for visual effects. It won the Oscar for art direction, sound effects, editing, original score, and best sound. Um, now, the director was actually the the fourth choice. Um, it like it kept falling from director to director as. Uh, different people rejected it. And then he ended up, uh, Lucas ended up taking on like second director duties. And then Richard Markand, uh, who eventually did accept, he said that he always felt like his quote was that it was like directing King Lear while Shakespeare sat in the other room, that like he always felt like he was being uh, critiqued and judged. Mm -hmm. um, now, it was, he was actually responsible for a brief title change that eventually went back. One, um, he was, he decided that 
Return wasn't as strong, so it should be titled Revenge of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple posters do exist. Um, but then they decided that it made the Jedi sound too harsh, so they uh, brought it back to Return of the Jedi. Now, he is responsible for the return to Dagobah because they wanted Yoda to validate that Vader is his dad mm-hmm. because he um, because they consulted child psychologists and found that if he... If they didn't do that, there was a, apparently like a likelihood that he was likely to be disregarded or that Vader would be seen as lying. So they put that in there mm-hmm. to make sure that people that it was taken as true. Mm-hmm. Um, so something I didn't know, I learned um, Harrison Ford got a much better deal to do this film because he was only contracted for two sequels for one sequel, not two like the others, which is why uh, he was actually frozen in carbonite at the end of Empire. Like, he was supposed to be dead. Um, But then he was like, and then Ford was like, well, he should die in self-sacrifice because he actually has never liked being a part of Star Wars. So, like, he just wanted to die. He's like, you should die in self-sacrifice. And then Lucas was like, no, need you for the merchandise. And if you do that, then we lose merchandising. Um, I do think that that is, I think it's fitting that that is how he dies in uh, Force Awakens. Mm. Um, Yeah, self-sacrifice. There was um, so something cool I thought was that the inventor of the steady cam, Garrett Brown, uh, is responsible for filming the speeder chases. Um, and then the the biggest things that we know that are going to resonate with people are the gold bikini. It's a trap. Uh, Ewoks. The force is strong with this one. The Sarlacc pit. And then now this one's a big one for me. And I, it, Sister, I know it's a so. You for- have a twin <laughs> sister. I had completely forgotten that line until you know. Now right. we've been talking about it, and then when like- you saw it, you were like, "There it is. That's the one." Mm-hmm. If you will not turn, perhaps. Oh, sister. Mm-hmm. So you have a twin You're sister. Doing it again. How many more times are you going to do it this episode? If Let's you won't to come over to the dark side, perhaps she will. <laughs> Oh my God! Spot on. You have a career as a Mark Hamill impersonator. Thank you. Just um, for this one movie. Yeah. Should we talk about the yeah. ticky ticky terms of endearment? <laughs> yeah. Terms of endearment. A very different type of film. Mm. Um, this is about a mother daughter relationship. Um, it begins. So there's this woman, Aurora, who is the a widowed mother um, living in Houston, and she has a daughter, Emma. Um, the mother is very. They're very. They have a close relationship, but also sort of a conf- like a controlling one, right? Aurora is like controlling, demanding, uh, has a lot of opinions. You know, is very sort of old fashioned, proper, like you know, whatever, all those things. Um, and Emma is about to marry a man named Flap, which must be a nickname for something because what a name right um and aurora doesn't think that he's good enough uh so she actually doesn't even come to the wedding um emma and flap get married they have this really wonderful love they move they end up moving to iowa for because flap is a professor and he got a job there um emma has two more kids and uh essentially like we're seeing basically the a long period of time like 15 years uh in in this sort of parallel worlds of aurora and her daughter um so we see you know as time goes on um did i already say this emma has two more kids uh, I don't remember if I said that, but she's so she's three kids, Hammer at home. financial troubles, um, arise in their, their household as well as suspicions that Flap is cheating. Um, meanwhile, back in Houston, Emma starts seeing someone also, um, 
and she's had lots of different suitors since her husband died and she kind of pushes them all away, but they also like kind of are her neighbors or like her close friends. It's very strange and interesting. Um, but she does start dating this guy, Garrett, who is a retired astronaut who, I presume. who lives next door to her. Um, and he's this like, you know, he's like a philanderer and a drunk and like kind of a mess. Yeah. He's off, like often, Jack Nicholson, he's just but Jack one Nicholson. that went to space. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Dates younger women, all these things. But the two of them start to actually really kind of falling for each other. Uh, until Garrett feels too much responsibility and he breaks things off. Um, meanwhile, uh, Emma discovers that Flap indeed is cheating. Um, he takes a new job in Nebraska as the head of the English department at New College and moves the whole family out there. When Emma arrives, she realizes that the same woman he was seeing also is in Nebraska. Um, Emma then learns she's got terminal cancer, um, which is very sad. And uh, as she... What? No, it's like this movie, the ending of this movie made me cry a lot. So oh, I yeah. actually mean that I don't say okay. it is obviously very sad. Um, and then so in her as she's sort of dying, uh, she entrusts the kids to the care of her mom. Um, and after she dies, Garrett, we see Garrett kind of like coming back into Aurora's life and, you know, hanging out with the kids. And it's like, oh, maybe they're going to actually end up together. Um, that's the movie kind of. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It's yeah. Harder to explain, but basically just the, the long life yeah. of these two relationships. Well, yeah, and it's definitely more of a character-driven yes, story than yeah. Return plot. of the Jedi, very yeah. much like action-adventure plot-driven. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Small budget, $8 million, made $108 million. Um, Now, this was nominated for uh, sound, film editing, score, art direction, supporting actor, actress, and then it won supporting actor, best actress, and then uh, the the writer director James L. Brooks won director, adapted screenplay, and picture for this movie. Um, now, at first I was like, "Oh wow, this is like James L. Brooks, like one of his uh, first movies." But actually, he had worked in TV, like massively in the seventies uh, room and create helped create and was on the ground floor of room 222, Mary Tyler Moore show Rhoda, a show Lou Grant taxi. Um, and then he hired a guy, Matt Gronig, Granig. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's that O E uh, thing that sometimes gets sounds mm -hmm. weird. It's, uh, o -E. but O E. Um, and then he might be Granig. Maybe like it makes an A. Maybe. Anyways, like, but while he was working camera. on the Tracy Ullman show, he hired this guy to create a series of shorts, um, which led to the creation of The Simpsons. And he has 47 Emmy nominations, of which he has won 20. So he's not exactly an underdog. Um, and then he also worked on films Big, Say Anything, Jerry Maguire, and As Good As It Gets. Um, now... Yet to do, 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 do a lot of the, pretty much everyone in this movie is a name by the time that they're in this movie, except this is Jeff Daniels second mm. movie. Wow. Uh, yeah. So we're right on the ground floor, uh, of which Jeff of Jeff Daniels, and he played flap. He played flap. Friend. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, but though I also fun thing did want to say, uh, for those, for those, uh, theater grads, those sweet, sweet BAs and BFAs. I knew you were going to put a sweet, um, sweet in there. I, I had to. I had to. Uh, ben Nye Jr. 
did the makeup for this film. Oh, of, yeah. Of Ben Nye. Of the <laughs> Ben Nye makeup. makeup company. That is correct. <laughs> uh, heir to the Ben Nye fortune. <laughs> um, and then also uh, Ellen Chenoweth is casting. And I was like, you know what? I recognize those names and I don't feel like casting gets enough like credit so um, or attention. Yeah, this was her second year of working and then by the 2000s she's like casting everything that that like George Clooney does pretty much and I mean she's one of the biggest one of the more major casting directors in uh film today mm-hmm. and then it was also cast by Juliet Taylor um who is most known for casting every Woody Allen film for no her. commento but uh, yeah, this film is mostly known for, like you said, being sad. Um, the only thing I could find or think about um, was there is a moment in Friends where she's trying to make Monica's trying to make their parents cry because Ross always gives their anniversary speech and it always makes them cry. So she's going to make them cry. And she's got pictures of their dead grandmother, pictures of their dead dog, and no one's crying. And then finally she's like, you remember when Deborah Winger had to say goodbye to her children in terms of endearment? You people are made of stone. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was like, so it's basically, but, but there are loads of references to this movie, just mm. being sad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and tis quite, <clears throat> tis yeah. quite sad. Now I will say though, I do want to point out you left uh, an important mm-hmm. uh, subplot out of the plot. Samari. Which is oh did John I not Lithgow. say that she has an affair? I, yeah, I in don't my notes that you I think did. I totally skipped a line. She starts yeah. seeing someone. Oh yeah, I skipped a line. Emma starts seeing someone as well, and she and Flap become more distant. That goes in the right. middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, which John that person, John, John Lithgow, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, so I just think it's because I feel like a lot of films have like the husband has totally. has an affair, mm-hmm. but like it's got this layer of complexity because they're they're both they're having both, an affair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which she begins. Before, Before like substantiating that, sure yeah. that he is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Shall we do a sweet, sweet, a sweet, decision? sweet account of Dune, a count of Dune to the decision? Hmm. Is this Spanish? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, how dare that you? Was <laughs> that was wow. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. But uh, yeah. Ready. Ready. Set. Steady. Girl. I think just terms of just terms of endearment. It really pains me to say. Interesting. Yeah. I it meaning to keep. Agreed. Oh, okay, okay. Make sure I hear you and I understand (laughs) you. Um, and I want to give you a platform (laughs) to justify this ridiculous opinion. No, no, I'm just curious. I I, I'm so I have plenty of thoughts that are not necessarily complimentary of Return of the Jedi. But I'm curious as well, to why you want to get rid of it. Basically, okay, it was a tough decision, but essentially, um, I just think it's not, uh, it, it's just not as, okay, there's a lot it. of things that are, feel really like different about this movie than the first two. Um, one thing is I feel like it's not funny. And mm. it, the others, like comedy of the comedy coming from characters is such a huge part of the first, or, you know, episode four and episode five. Um, but in this one, like the only comedy really, I'm pretty sure comes from 
like the Ewoks being right. cute and and I am a fan of the Ewoks, I do have to say, although I have thoughts about them too. And like some some droid stuff in the very beginning when they're at Jabba's palace. Mm. But like otherwise there's doesn't seem like a lot of like real like the the characters just feel different than they were in the other movies. So I feel like there's there's like a strange disconnect to me between this and the others. And then the other part of that too, I feel like is that it's um like Luke it just is like a completely different person than he was like again character wise i just feel like he i mean he he obviously is trying to show that he has now like gained all this knowledge and is this powerful jedi but i just feel like he's a totally different character like he speaks differently he acts differently again he's not like kind of charming and like funny ever you know um and i and like i don't know i didn't i just think the ending is really like weird and cheesy with them all like dancing around this like Ewok fire. Um, and, and then I think like thinking about the broad picture of star Wars as a franchise, like if this had been like, I feel like if it was like there was four, five, six, and then it ended, then I would definitely, I would want to keep this one because I think like, because like it's, a, I'll just, you know, I do love the movies and I still love this movie because probably because it's part of my like, childhood and Mm -hmm. my nostalgia um but because now there are so many like and the new ones because the new ones are actually good uh, several of them at least i'm like i feel the i feel like i can be a little more discerning in my ability to say you know it's not like i'm rejecting star wars in any way but i'm just saying like this one in particular and the way they made this movie just feels kind of like different from the heart of star wars like there's so much good adventure there's so many like i think the special effects actually like are pretty impressive a lot of them and like there's some great action sequences um but i just i feel like it's missing the core characters like they just don't feel like the people that i've come to know in the other Mm. in the previous two movies like han is not Mm. he has like no funny lines like you know he, he doesn't seem like he's got his sort of like charming piratey guy any like he doesn't have any moments like that really maybe like a tiny one where he tells lando to like not um, you know mess up the ship yeah, not a scratch but um and i do feel, i actually and i think like leia in this movie like does get some really awesome story and like you know she she's sometimes kind of a badass in this one which is very cool she is on the ground fighting yeah oh yeah no she yeah totally and like i honestly and i i forgive the gold bikini because they she then like you know kills her captor and like most of aside from the first shot where she's like lounging there and we see her whole body like it doesn't feel like the movie is is like really like focusing on her body in Mm -hmm. an explorative way aside from that one shot so you know like i i do think there are a lot of great things in it and a lot of it is fun but also the ewoks are I think they're cute, but they just take up so much time. And that has a huge part of the middle of the movie that has nothing to do with the plot really. Um, so yeah. So I just think it's kind of the weakest, the weakest one of these, of these three at the very least. And definitely the next ones that are about to come, but you know, the prequels, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Well, okay. So I agree with you on all points. Um, and with regards to the gold, with regards to the gold bikini, I definitely feel like, um, you know, he is a, uh, so Jabba is basically sort of a, a mafia kingpin that has, um, numerous slaves. So if he is being, if she is being held as a 
slave as like a sort of sex slave by this person who is unilaterally condemned by the film. Mm -hmm. I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. I think that what is more condemnable is how culture in the subsequent 30, 30 years has latched onto the gold bikini bikini. talking about how much the gold bikini is like a a sex fantasy and all these Mm -hmm. things. It's like, Oh, this strong and powerful woman. Oh yeah. You know what part I loved? Oh man. When she was chained, when she had a collar around her neck and was chained. It's true. Cause I didn't even remember so much of the movie that she gets to do later where she really is fighting and she's, you know, yeah, she's on the ground with the troops. She's like saving them in a couple moments. Cause yeah, the, the image that sticks in my mind too, because it, because it's been so hammered into us with pop culture is her in the gold bikini. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I judge us mm. worse than the film. Yeah. Um, I, again, I agree with you on all accounts. I think that, you know, when we talked about a new hope and we talked about the way that he was borrowing from other sources, particularly Dune with, with regard to Tatooine mm-hmm. and Dune's characters, the the Fremen and the population of Arrakis is heavily based on uh, on the Middle East. Then, if he then creates these like cartoonish mm-hmm. sort of minstrel stereotypes of these people, then to what degree are those sort of caricatures of like Bedouin Arab populations? Now, I felt that was very true again of like Jabba's layer. I felt like it was just sort of another side of that same coin. I did wonder, did you think if Jabba, do you think Jabba's supposed to symbolize um, or is in some way related to Baron Harkonnen? Oh, maybe. Yeah. For I sure. About that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I mean, I, because I guess like his layer is, it doesn't have, to me, it doesn't have like trappings of, Sort of like a stereotype of like. I don't know. He's Middle like Eastern. smoking hookah, and it's he's smoking like something. But it's like a big, like sort a of ornate vase thing. that has like a tube that's leading mm-hmm. up to his mouth. I mean, it mm-hmm. looks I'm, it's almost assuredly a hookah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah. It was. I was. I did feel somewhat like I might have been digging for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also didn't like. So they added a number of new scenes. Uh, also, something that should be got. I almost the feel re-releases. like let's get rid of like George Lucas because yeah. man, his like his God. revising of these old films. It's yeah, like it's terrible. All of the we. I think I'm. My my brain is being taken over right now by the thought of Hayden Christensen's ghost. Oh, I know. I'm trying to <laughs> save that for its time. Yeah. Um, but they also added what, all these different like the thing? whole song thing, oh which to me I'm like, this is this is weird, and I don't the the joke and like what the fun is. I'm not a hundred percent sure that there isn't sort of coding going on here. Like I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure, especially since it's obviously jazz and it's like obviously scatting and it's like this weird sort of cartoon thing that I just don't really understand. I don't really like, and I don't trust that it, that it's done in, I don't know. I'm inclined to use the phrase good faith, but I don't think good faith is the correct mm. phrase. Um, it with in, I, I I don't trust the intent. Mm. Uh, I don't trust the makers at all. Um, so we also we also have 
uh, a second woman in the universe, which is mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have alien species that seem to be ha- like the ones that are like relatively human like mm-hmm. are not all. Are no, you people, are correct. Right? One of them was a dancer that gets eaten by the rancor. It's true, but then a couple um, of the singers. There's there's some singers. True, there's like some people. True. In the, Would you call them a hominid? Hominid, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, well, you know, in the sense that they're not, they don't have a bunch of, you know, a, a, I can't think of the word at all, like a costume thing over your face or like a, they're not like completely, you know, like Chewie's in like a suit. Sure. And you have no idea, like, it's supposed to be like, he's, he's not, he's kind of hominid, but he's more like bare. You're right. You're right. I was you know thinking I mean? of a, I was thinking of that singer that has like, like the prosthetics. big, sn- like the big long the sort of like guy? beak snout. The blue uh, elephant guy? No, oh, not the, the blue elephant guy. The one of the the new. I do love the blue elephant guy, but yeah. no, one of the new sort of like CGI uh-huh, singer. Uh-huh. That's the other thing that's really annoying is that like all of their effects from the seventies have aged really well. They have all of the effects the from ones. the late nineties have aged very poorly. It's true, the Sarlacc pit with the like Why weird do little it? bud thing. Why I know. do it? It's so much scarier if it's just like a, a pit, pit of sand and teeth yeah. coming out. Of because it, it just means that like this animal is like so. So giant, yeah. yeah. Um, the so just to also continue on the vein of like, um, is are some things of in this movie racist? Like the Ewoks are my biggest question mm-hmm. with that. <clears throat> Which actually, and I was looking up, I was googling Ewok controversy, and most that I could find was about people just being like, the Ewoks are annoying or childish or something. Which I was kind of surprised, but there yeah. were some things about controversy that I was thinking about too because they're, yeah, they're they're they feel very like you know noble savagey right like they are they do look like little bears you know like it's Mm -hmm. not again they're not really humanoid hominid is better i liked your word um flows just flows off the tongue but but you know at the same time of course like they are you know like there's there are clear uh things that seem to be being drawn from as far as like them being this kind of native species and them like maybe they're about to eat these people, you Mm -hmm. know, and like this sort of like they have like teeth around their neck and they have these kind of staffs and like all of these things that feel and like arrowhead um, spears, you know, like that it does feel like they're being, you know, drawn from like a, some kind of native culture and like just kind of created into a a cartoon. Um, Yeah. Like if, if someone were to say, if someone, if, if someone in their head were to go, okay, I'm going to combine uh, like Iroquois Native Americans and a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. You would get an Ewok. An Ewok. Well, and apparently George Lucas did like the, the there's a, a tribe that used to, that like lived, that their land was like in the Redwoods where this was being f- um, filmed, was called like the, it was like Miwok or my, I it was like it M-I-W-O-K I or something. So, and then he made them Ewoks. I hate it so much. I know. Um, now the, so no, I, I said I don't want to get yeah. rid of the film, and I, right, I'm right, still right. holding to that yeah, because yeah. Um, I'm just reiterating our, our point from last week, which is that uh, I, I do not believe that we're in the business of getting rid of bad films. And I have, I have you know, a couple tabs, you know, race, uh, women, uh, and they've got like two bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, then I just have this absurd... Mm. category um I, I the death star mm-hmm. doesn't really make any sense 
right? Because it's like this battle station, but it's located at a fixed point in the galaxy, right? And lasers, they, they travel at the speed of light. Well, if it's not getting rid of a planet that's in that solar system, then basically once they know that the Death Star has fired its laser, you know, the nearest star to us is four light years away. So that planet has four years worth of time if they are as close to the Death Star as we are to our closest next star to prepare some sort of defense. So, like, I just realized, like, oh, this is very... It seems like a, a lot of resources allocated to something that is not particularly effective. But I think affected. it will be able to move. It's just that it's still under construction. Well, the other one never really, there was never really any discussion of the original one moving. Hmm. I was just like, wait a minute. This it doesn't. Must, no, I think it moves. I, I don't know. I'm I don't also know. basing this partially on this Star Wars board game that I play. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I shouldn't do that probably. Okay. Although um, it has very good, it does hold up to the films. Anyways. I do like uh, that the spaceships are way more realistic than E.T. Because mm-hmm. if you notice, there's no just uh, gratuitous lights on the outside to make <laughs> it look futuristic. Steve, Spielberg and Lucas are friends. They should have talked. Um, no, but then also the plant. So, so they want to get Han out of Jabba's, right? So... C-3PO and R2, mm-hmm. they go in to Jabba's palace, okay? They present Luke's message, and Luke gives, them, gives Jabba the droids, so they are now laborers for Jabba. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Leia comes in, wants to buy Han, and like mm-hmm. makes this show with a, a thermal, thermal detonator. detonator. Um, but then tries to sneak in, defrost him in the middle of the night and, and escape. Mm-hmm. But then they're caught. Mm-hmm. She's enslaved and Chewie's put in a cell. And then um, with, with Han. And then Luke comes. He's thrown into the pit with the Rancor. He kills the Rancor. And then he's pulled out and they're going to be thrown in the Sarlacc pit. And Lando's standing with them. He is infiltrated as well. And then... As they're standing by the Sarlacc pit, that's when he does his flip around. R2 reveals he's been carrying Luke's uh, lightsaber, lightsaber all along, and mm-hmm. then he, they open it up, and boom, they fight, and they kill Jabba, and boom. So when it all happens, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, man, wow, they thought it out. But no, also, it makes, no sense. it makes no sense that they're like, okay, you know, like, if I, if Leia... Leia was not able to like make the purchase that she wanted to make, but she just gave Chewie away. So like if she did and took on, like what would happen to, to Chewie or like what would happen the to droids. the droids? If, if Leia melts Han and then they walk, run away, what happens to the droids? Mm-hmm. And then if Luke in some way is able to like not get dropped into the rancor and get exactly what he wants, mm-hmm. then like what it doesn't, then why would he need to do all those pre-existing steps? It's like this weird ornate plan that because it worked, Works. We don't it question seems it. like it makes sense. Totally. But there are so you many know, things you're like, why, it makes sense why would that be the plan? It does not, the, it, it does well, not make sense. And that's why I feel like it seems to me like the Leia and Chewie thing, 
was like something Luke didn't know about. Cause that seems like the only, like aside from Leia and Chewie, the rest of it could make sense. You know, it's like the droids are going to be there so that when Luke comes, they're probably going to capture him. They won't steal his lightsaber. Cause if he had it on him, they would take it. But it is, it's the Leia Chewie thing that I'm like, I don't, you must've not been talking to each other because that to me is the thing that makes the least sense. But anyways, I hear you. There's yeah. a lot of, I also don't know how much time has passed between no. empire and this movie because there's enough time for Luke to both not only become a strong, a far stronger Jedi, but also to construct a new lightsaber, which seems right. crazy and amazing. But also at the same time though, Han, it seemed like at the end of empire, the, the people on the millennium Falcon they were like, we're going to go get Han. Like that's our, so it seems like it was happened like right after, but also it seems like it happened like a year later. Right. You well, know? so and enough time for them to build this new Death Star, which they've a, con- a considerable yeah, amount they, yeah. has been built. Mm-hmm. But also, he goes back to Dagobah, and he's like, "I have to fulfill a promise to a to a friend," which means that he has not been back to right, Dagobah to see Yoda exactly. to see Yoda to resume his training right. after Empire. Right. So where so was he training? Where if he was training? How has he? gotten better and then it's also like you know there there was a part where he was like he mentioned something about like training hard and it's like well you didn't actually train hard you like you went back and when you went to do more training yoda was like actually gonna die now and your training is done except for facing darth vader Mm -hmm. and like it, it just yeah it makes no sense that yeah after Nothing. He also has remade his entire image because he like dresses in all black now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he has also this sort of wisdomous, above it all. Exactly. Attitude. He's a totally different character. Um, and I, going back to the thing about, do we are we talking about whether a movie like is it worth um, taking into account whether a movie is quote unquote good or not when we're talking about this? I think the question of like taste. And do we like the story that we're being given? And, you know, like that, I agree, should be put to the side. But I think that we can take into account things like with this and with E.T. too, of, of like inconsistencies, like pl- the, pl- the, the way a movie was written and like mm. whether it was seems to have been done in a sloppy way slash in a like, well, let's just do this and the audience won't think about it way. Like those do seem like components that we can assess um because they don't have to do with our taste as far as do we like the story it's about like how was the story constructed you know and and that is something i feel like that you can break down story construction and and things like that so just so i was just been thinking about that and wanted to i would also say that that, um that like han this whole like luke is actually leia's sister thing that only works um there is a uh, sort of grasped for plot that uh, is this love triangle of Luke, Leia, and Han, which by the time that Leia finds out and by the time that Han finds out, it's kind of a yeah, done Leia deal that Leia and Han are a thing. Together, like they've already told one another that they love each other. Mm-hmm. They, you know, there's been no attempt by Luke to, I mean, literally Luke was like a pubescent boy in four. And then, and he was like a, a woman. Right. But after that, there has been nothing. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the, the kiss in empire when she kisses him when he's sick. 
when, you know, when he's, um, was injured, but no, I agree. And I feel like it's partially also this, the movie, the, the assumption and implication that like a woman and a man who at some point even had any kind of potential spark, it's like, they'll, they'll probably not be friends. It'll only be right. romance or we won't talk right. to each other. Kind of, you and know then and you're just like, Oh, it is, but it, it is funny because it's almost like, uh, it's almost like, I just as, I'm inclined to say worse because it's what it's saying is, Oh, they do love each other. It's like, they have to love each other. Well, Oh, they do, but it's because they're related. Mm. Right. Not because they're married. So it's right. like, they can't oh, just be friends for right. just because nope. they're friends. Nope. Nope. Yeah. yeah. It's either blood or the water of the womb. <laughs> God. Um, nice. But yeah, the, uh, yeah, it's just, did we say on the record that phrase? I know we talked about it, but I can't remember if we talked about the, the blood of the, the covenant of is the thicker womb? than the water of the oh, womb. I feel like you did. I feel like, but I can't remember if we talked about it on mic and it might seem like a weird thing to say, but everybody, you can look yeah. it up yourself. Yeah, maybe. Um, but also I just, I, I don't, you said, um, so what are you going to say? Oh, well, I was going to say, I'm about ready to move on, but I wanted to add one more thing with my, the story, the question of like story construction and stuff, which is just that I feel like a lot of this movie, the writing of it is really sloppy in the sense that they keep repeating the same phrases to, to underscore key dramatic moments. And I don't think in a way that they was like intentionally like the repetition of a free, you know, so they keep saying the two things that like drove me crazy was this battle station will be fully operational is something that the emperor side says, somebody says, and then with the rebels, they're like the battle station is not yet. The battle station is not yet fully operational. And then the empire emperor himself is like, Oh, battle station is fully operational. And so I'm like, one of these people would say that in a different way, you know, and it's really annoying. And the other thing being your usually it's feelings have betrayed you. Like they say that so many, t- bunch of different yeah. people say that a bunch of different times. Or do not. Or, uh, also the third one is mm-hmm. do not underestimate the power of the dark side. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it just feels sloppy, uh, which makes me, you know, the, the thing about the, all the questionable, the inconsistencies, like now I, I just like feel like there's a huge case about this just sort of being a movie that was like, well, we'll just slap it again. Everyone will love it because it's star Wars, you know, and that they sure. could have done a, a better job. Um, the, the, the last two things that, that I can rattle off as absurdities that bug the crap out of me is that, uh, I actually, I really hate that the dark side calls themselves the dark side. Mm. Like it just doesn't, <laughs> right. no it doesn't make sense. They're bad. Right. Yeah. And, and, and also like, yeah, they're not going to acknowledge themselves as existing in the evil part of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just, it's just not going to happen. And even, you know, if you were to look at like, nah, I don't even want to get into the Judeo-Christian spectrum. That's I'm not- just going to just say that like there are no groups that are condemned as evil mm-hmm. whose name for themselves mm-hmm. is evil. Right. So it just doesn't, it's just so silly. And also in, um, in like episode one, you get that like they have a name, like the Sith. Right. You know, and so there is a way of like, there is a discipline mm-hmm. that involves this sort of darker art of, of the force. It just seems so lazy that they're all just calling themselves the dark side. It just yeah. seems so, it seems childish. And then the last thing is, um, they topple the empire, but like 
then they show all these planets that have like only a couple of them in particular. It's like, they're so entirely like homogenized in terms of their industry and like what the terrain of their planet looks like. It, clearly they depend on interplanetary cooperation. And so like, there's just no, I, I, I guess I'm just not satisfied with like this idea that they're going to destroy this government. And yet somehow we're going to then have, a government that's good, that's going to take its place. And in a way that's just assumed, Mm -hmm. um, because I mean, obviously the fact that there are, there is a subsequent trilogy informs us that no, it did not happen well. Um, but also, yeah, I'm just, it was done in the celebratory fashion as if there weren't, but the Senate, like there is still the, like, I mean, they have not existed in most of these original movies. But but in the third one, don't they dissolve the Senate in favor of an empire? In the, you mean in the third? In like, the third installment of the first okay. series, episode three, Revenge of the uh, Revenge so the of the prequels of the. Yeah, I don't. They, maybe, but there's also the. Isn't there in one of the new movies? Don't they like blow up the Senate building? Like I feel like they existed. Clearly, there's okay. a problem in the consistency of the yeah. universe. Yeah. Of the universe. Either way, anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, in our memories of the other movies. Right. So I'm ready to move. I'm ready yeah, to move. Let's move, move to terms of endearment. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I I I really love this movie. This, this movie. might be my favorite one, favorite new one that we've had yeah. to watch, or it's up there for me. Um, yeah, I just love that it's so it's so the, the I don't know. Yeah, that it's so much about this mother daughter relationship, mm-hmm. and that all the different relationships explore so many different types of romantic and familial relationships, and all of them feel really like you actually get to see them, you know grow and change and develop and get bad and get good, like in a way that feels really like life. Mm-hmm. And I just felt by the end of this movie, you know, it's only, it's only, well, it's two hours, it's a little over two hours, but it felt, you know, I truly just felt like I was watching this epic that was really taking place over the course of this, right. a long period of time, because I just thought they really did a beautiful job of, of following through and being really, really believable and realistic rather than kind of making things more Hollywood or more kind of like the expectation of what happens when someone has an affair, the expectation of like this mother daughter relationship is fractured and therefore it will crumble. Like that was never actually a question. The mother daughter, they're like weird dynamic, which is definitely strange. And like from the outside, you're like, Oh God, this seems bad and unhealthy, but they were totally each other's best friends too. Right. Um, and that was just never a question that that was going to dissolve, you know? I also, so, um, with with reference to the structure of the film i mean the, the the film is structured very well and very tightly and so the theme of this film as stated in you know roughly 5 minutes in is you know the is the the scene that i believe states the theme of the film is the one where her one of her friends one of her male suitors of aurora shirley mclean's character he is sitting next to her and he puts his hand on her leg and she bats it away. And he's like, when are you going to acknowledge that you have needs? And she's mm-hmm. like, I, I don't have them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so the, the film, the entire film is investigating the need for romantic connection and how sex is very much a part of that for people young and and older mm-hmm. you know she they're framed as being old but she's like 50, 50 mm-hmm. so it's yeah but like 
that at all ages, Mm -hmm. you know, acknowledging and sort of owning uh, sexual appetite and what that like contributes to your psychology, uh, I thought was amazing, unseen, Mm -hmm. and definitely out of the norm as far as the early eighties are concerned. Um, and then the, to add to that, the comp, this, the central characters and the characters driving the story are women. Mm -hmm. So like to have not only a conversation about healthy sexuality, that's like honest and open with one that's driven by women as well, I think is incredibly unique to the time and very refreshing. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, and even, you know, you can see in the very beginning, the first, I actually don't remember how much time has passed, but you know, it's at least like 10 minutes or or, you said five to that scene, but we're, we're basically like, we hear reference to, um, Aurora's husband, Emma's father. We don't see him in the shot ever. Like in the very beginning, Emma's just a baby and Aurora's Mm -hmm. checking on her. So we, we never see her husband or the father. And then the next scene he's died uh, and so it's, again, we just see the mother and the daughter and the daughter's older. And then the next scene basically is, you know, Emma's about to get married <clears throat> and it's just her and her best friend talking in the front yard. And then she talks to her mom and, you know, and then like she, she and her best friend are having a sleepover and like, we don't see Jeff Daniels until, you know, a lot of things have already kind of happened. And so like, I feel like even the, yeah, the film is so clearly focusing all of these the women obviously have men in their life and there's men that they're talking about and who they've been affected by. And later, of course, the men are important characters in the movie, but just uh, in terms of their presence Mm -hmm. and actually in the shots, but that in the beginning, it's really teaching us as an audience, like this is just, this is really about these women and this is about their connection and the way they talk about and experience, you know, sex, romance, companionship and all these things. Um, So I just feel like it, it also did a beautiful job of really setting the audience up for that type of story, you know? Yeah. Uh, I also thought that because we, you know, live in the contemporary world, it can be hard to sort of see this window into a culture that, with regard to divorce, Mm -hmm. it seems to be that they're in this very strange time of divorce still not really being on the table, but affairs not necessarily being like marriage ending in in a way. Like she talks about John Lithgow with her mom Mm -hmm. and there's not really this talk of getting a new, like uh, of, of leaving flap for him. Um, and, and she doesn't really talk about leaving flap when flap wants to, when flap is having these affairs with these other, other women. Mm And so there's just, there's this weird, I don't know, you know, I feel like the, the dissolution of their marriage would be central to a contemporary story about this or like the sham that is their marriage. But they actually, in a way, the film continues to affirm or they continue to affirm in the film that they do love one another, that they both have failed one another and that like, but they also both have, I guess, needs. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I thought it was so strange that John Lithgow, when, he, when she's, so 
they move to Iowa and Iowa's where she meets John Lithgow and they're then toward the end of the film, they start to, they move to Nebraska and he's like, can I have a picture of you? And she's like, the only picture I have has flap in it. And he's like, I don't care. And so he's just like willing to take this photo. That's not of the two of them. They're also holding hands publicly in a, I mean, maybe it's reductive for me to call Des Moines a small town, but like it's definitely framed as more small town than New York. Mm -hmm. New York is like. I think it's fair to say that Des Moines is a smaller town than New York. Right. Most places are. That's okay. Agreed. But like New York is mm -hmm. caricaturized for being the city. And Mm -hmm. then this is like described as it, it just is framed as being a much smaller town, but without the the normal sort of small town, everyone knows each other's mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. kind of uh, problems that movies often paint small towns. Yeah. Together. And that's why I feel like this movie did such, it's just such a realistic job of, of what would this actually be like for all these characters. So even the, yeah. So both the thing of like, it's, it would be such a classic movie thing for it to be, you know, somebody who we saw as a minor character in a scene, sees them holding hands and then that explodes in some way. Right. But it's like, yeah, I mean, even in any small city, like you're going to go places where no one will, will know you're right. who you are. But then also the, the idea that the affairs don't end the marriage. It's like, I, I am, I'm, I have no idea if this is actually true, but my gut tells me that there's f- more people who are married, who've been married, have multiple kids, been married for a long time, who upon finding out that someone has had an affair, don't get a divorce, yeah. you know, and that like th- there's other other types of reactions to that news and it can still be devastating and confusing and hurtful. Uh, but it's so rare. I don't, I don't don't know off the top of my head. I can't think of another movie where an affair is definitely revealed, corroborated, and it doesn't lead to the dissolution of the marriage. Like that is just what we see in movies, but in real life, I'm sure, you know, that there are plenty of other responses to that. So I just was really impressed. I agree. Like just that mm. it was, it was done in a different way. And then even the fact that I would expect that a big moment, you know, whether it's while she's dying or something of her, cause she never tells um, anyone but her mom that she was having an affair too. Um, and it's not even made into a moment of like, should I keep, should I tell him or would that hurt him? You know, like she just never, it just doesn't kind of, it, it doesn't come up again, you know, in the movie at all, once they moved to Nebraska. Um, and that too was really interesting because it's like, yeah, she probably wasn't like in love with John Lithgow. Like, you know, there was some connection. Well, he actually, but, but, uh, Jeff Daniels flap actually acknowledges that he knows because he yeah. says at one point, he's like, you don't think I know what you're doing on your oh. long drives. Well, he said, and yeah, those I mean, long drives are her going off with John. Well, Lithgow. He says, just he says, I don't know what you're doing. On, like he's like just like you know we both have our secrets or something basically right so like maybe he's no but it, it either way it's not kind of like what could be a big dramatic hollywood scene of like mm-hmm. i know you've been having an affairs affairs too you know so i just thought and her decision her like quiet decision to just never tell him and not talk about it you know just also was really interesting and kind of subtle um and believable i yeah. also i i thought that it was um now I didn't, there were things that I did not like, like there is an, there is a, there was sort of an assumption when she goes to New York, it questions the idea that she would have a job, Mm -hmm. um, because all the women in in New York don't understand 
that she's chosen to be a housewife. Mm-hmm. What we never see earlier in the film, though, is her choose to be a housewife. Um, it seems a, a bit assumed, and then, and then, and then, I mean, I guess, I guess, I'm starting to go back on. I think that I would like. Let me just put it this way: I would like the movie to be a little bit more explicit, at least at at some points, because. Yes, the film does, by the time that he gets the job to Nebraska and he's thinking about it, clearly at that point, he, the movie takes a stance on the fact that it, like, it's wrong for him to assume that whatever, he deci- whatever decision he makes on their job mm-hmm. is going to be the decision that the family makes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also another point where when she is going to New York, she's, he's like, you know, you're just, you feel comfortable leaving the kids? And she's like... I'm not leaving the kids. Mm -hmm. I'm entrusting them to their father. Mm -hmm. And there is, it's definitely, it's definitely a kind of commentary on absentee fatherhood, which I think was probably much more common in that period of time than probably we experienced. I, I had a very hands on father. I don't know. Well, I just feel like as far, I mean, it's it's, to me, it seems still very much a product of the time Mm -hmm. when, you know, the expectation, even though women were working still, but like it was, like the fact that women were working and being mothers was like, you know, people would say that because it was un- still unusual, you know? And so I feel like, it, you know, just that the classic kind of nuclear family assumption was that the mother is the one who mostly raises the kids, you know? And so I feel like that also, it's interesting because in the beginning I actually was thinking about that too. And then later when she went to New York, like that question of, you know, we never saw her make the choice, but I actually think that that's, interesting too because it's sort of like there certainly still are and were many women who it's sort of like that was always their own assumption you know without ever needing to talk about it or whatever that like she wanted to be a wife and a mother and that was what she was going to do you know and and I yeah it would be interesting I guess to also know like what else might she do with her life but like the movie didn't seem to be either like judging that choice or saying it's the right choice um yeah uh, I feel like I, did I interrupt your? Uh, I don't think so. I I don't I don't think so. It's I I found myself sort of getting backed into a corner by the film because there were things that I I kept. There are things that I feel like the film it does touch on certain things that I would like more of at points. So for me to say that it's not present, yeah, feels not exactly true. But it doesn't change the fact that I think that I would like a little bit more. Um, well, in the absentee father thing, like. Because if you think back, and now I'm thinking back as we're talking about this, like there aren't any scenes where we just see Flap, the father, and the kids. Like any scene where he is with the kids, we also have yeah. the mom too. You know, and so I feel like it was kind of like visually giving us those that reminder and that kind of awareness of who's in who takes care of the kids and in this family. And so then I think in the end, when she does, you know, when he doesn't say he wants to take care of them once she dies, you know. Um, it was really, yeah, it was like an intense moment. And I thought it was great because it wasn't trying to make him into some hero at the end. You know, it wasn't like giving him like, well, now I will sacrifice my life to, to raise our children. It was kind of like, he's sort of a, not a great guy or just like, yeah, he has his own priorities. And what the film also doesn't do though, is create an evil man. Right. Like he Mm -hmm. seems very he's got this sort of like dopey kind of quality, but he doesn't seem, he's not like 
some sort of maniacal, like yeah. beard twirling man that's right. like. And with Jack Nicholson, like there's no judgment on any of the characters, it seems like they're all, you know. Well, or, or, or the judgment is explicit. I feel like Jack Nicholson is judged by Shirley MacLaine. Right. In, in a way that, like, I mean, she's constantly like, you know, let's have lunch. I mean, it's going to be, I'm sure it'll be difficult for you to go out with someone when it isn't necessarily a felony. I know. I love you that. Know? Uh, brilliant. She's so great. Right. But she's judging because, but then like we peel back the, like then we get more time to see that Jack Nicholson, it's, you know, that who he actually is when he lets go of all of these kind of acts mm-hmm. that he puts on, you know, and stuff like that. But, and he um, acknowledges the act that, yeah, yeah. that, you know, he had his moment and, mm-hmm. you know, which was, going into space but he's still like he 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 hangs on to it but it's all he has and he and and he's never got the thing he wanted the most Mm -hmm. which was to sit with all the other astronauts and and talk about what the experience was like um i also just my one of my favorite moments was when this was the first time that they went on a date um aurora and Jack Nicholson and Shirley MacLaine go on a date. Garrett and Garrett, thank you. And she invites him over, uh, and they're in her bedroom, and nothing has happened yet. And and she just she some he says something, and then she's like, "Don't you know I'm a grandmother?" I wrote that down too. And then she just attacks him with this kiss, and it's like so awesome, right? And he's so surprised, and like she also like doesn't really know what she's doing, but she's like really kissing him and like don't you know i'm a grandmother loved it it was such a good moment and i feel like it was so great too because the like i can totally this she as a character i can very much believe that maybe this is the first time that she has like told a man essentially like i want sex or you know and i want you to come over to have sex you know i think the film would validate that because she is so you know about sort of like well this is how things are done this is the proper proper way to do whatever Mm -hmm. and so i just like loved the ownership that she struggled with taking because she was not told in her life that she could or should and then like that she did end up taking that ownership of her sexuality and it was just really awesome i also love that right before that too she like puts on this sort of i'm inclined to say slip but it's like this you know, wrap in this sort of nightgown and she's kind of looking at herself in the Mm -hmm. mirror and it's just to see her sort of like giddy nervousness Mm -hmm. about, you know, about what's going on. I mean, I just think that's, I just thought that it was so cool to see because the expectation is that you're going to paint these older people as being entirely on top of the situation Mm -hmm. when, you know, it it shows that there's still a kind of like uncertainty about yeah. it and like nervousness, right? And awareness of you know, and she, she's very aware of her age and like in that moment too is lovely because she was both like excited and giddy and happy, but also kind of like this. I haven't like my body is just different than my body used to be, and yet I'm still going to you know pursue this man and like hopefully he finds my body attractive, mm-hmm. even though it's different than you know it's. Yeah, when I was younger, I maybe I looked like this, right? So. Why do you think all the other men? Because by the time it's her fiftieth fiftieth birthday, mm-hmm. yeah, it, Quote your unquote. air quotes are <laughs> correct. Um, she's got at least three yeah, suitors so there: a doctor, Danny DeVito, and then the guy from the beginning. 
why do you, I, I'm, I have some thoughts, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are on like why they, why they're there, why they like, why the, all these men like worship her when she's kind of mean to them and doesn't really give them anything. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems, I mean, I think it's like about the comparison between them and Jack Nicholson, probably, you know, like they are doing, they're like doing everything right according to the, her rules, probably, you know, as far as being courteous and, uh, you know, being like acting appropriately and being mm-hmm. sort of not, uh, publicly embarrassing in some way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know, but, and yet like she doesn't want any of that. Like she has her own understanding and expectations of how relationships are supposed to be created and formed, but, but then the, her own kind of expectations, like she allows herself to then like question them when she does start to pursue Jack Nicholson. And so I feel like they are meant to be like the obvious choices for her, you know, these men who clearly adore her Mm -hmm. and, uh, and like see her as kind of a dominant woman, but also like want to make their, it just feels very in my head. It feels very like, like a Tennessee Williams. It feels very like the sure. gentleman callers, like Southern, what something. 100%. This, yeah. For me, I was re- watching it. And so they're there for years, for years, years. <laughs> they are just like begging for a little drip of affection. And part of me what now she does have this kind of like feigned sort of Southern belle naivete Mm -hmm. when she's entertaining. And part of me wondered like, is this sort of a commentary on like male obsession with naivete? Like, is Mm -hmm. there, is there them chasing after her because they see her as like this naive figure is there much different if there is there much of a difference between that and Jack Nicholson, you know, going after sort of younger women because they don't see him for who he is. But then I actually started to wonder because she gives them so little, is it more of a commentary on like men and their willingness to like write their story onto what a woman is giving them? Mm-hmm. Uh, does that does that spark anything? Is that like something that you're like, oh yeah, no, that happens, or you just in general, not in the film, but to me, it seems like a general truth. Sure, that of like what I want, I'll see what I want to see in you, and sure, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that like I, yeah, that that like, yeah. and they're not looking at looking for the woman that she is. Sure. They're looking right. for the woman that they're projecting looking onto for. Her. Yeah, exactly, totally, uh, yeah, and and and. They're also like I, I imagine for you know because yeah fifteen years at least some of these people have that's been around. What, that's and, what he says because because yeah. she leaves and then goes over to Jack Nicholson and is like you want to have lunch right. you invited me to lunch and he's like years that was ago. year that was yeah. like fifteen exactly like yeah. fifteen years ago. Well, I don't think the lunch invitation was fifteen years ago, but when Emma left home was definitely like fifteen years ago. Uh, he says something like that was fifteen no, years ago. No, she she says years ago you asked me to lunch or something. Anyways, you can find it, but because um, in that case the kids would be like twenty years old. You know what I'm saying? Um, but regardless, yeah, that like they are probably also there because they actually like like the situation the way it is. You know what I mean? Like the men, you would have given up if that was if you actually just were like, I want her to be with me. 
you know, right. by year five or seven or 10 or 12, you would have been like, okay, I'll move on. But I feel like it also is just like a, just this like strange little right. dynamic between this group of friends. But Yeah. I mean like that first guy, it's untold how long he's there beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then he's there when she's like, Going to marry Flap. I couldn't tell if she was 18 or if she was going Emma? to marry Flap. Uh, mm, yes. The daughter? Yes. Um, I think she was about to marry him. In that well. opening scene with the movers when Garrett moves yeah. in, is that the day before she's... I thought so. I thought that was... Maybe not, though. Yeah, they, time Yeah, is, the time, time like moves very quickly, it so it can be difficult. And, and, and yet they people all look the same. seem to not age <laughs> yeah. terribly much. Yeah. Right. Um, Which, you know. Yeah. Okay. To quote, you are correct. She says, I was curious if you still wanted to go to lunch. I wasn't aware that we, a few years back, you invited to me to lunch. Uh, A few years back. (laughs) I was wondering, would you like to do lunch? Do lunch? Remember, it was was Mm -hmm. dinner, remember, not lunch. Okay. No, lunch, not dinner. I mean, not dinner, remember, it was lunch. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, great. I have the description for you. Well, you said, Dinner, not lunch. Well, Anyways. I was reading for both parts, so maybe it was unclear, Ooh, but tough. yeah, like whatever. Um, yeah, no, um, I, yeah. Now, uh, there were some things that I, I did not like. Did you have anything that you did not like that you want to? I would like to hear yours. So, uh, first thing is that um, when she catches Flap like talking to a grad student, they have a very public fight. And I mean, everyone is staring, standing on the street, looking at, uh, looking at them. And, you know, then, you know, he's like, you're going to ruin us with your spectacle. Well, he still gets the job in Nebraska. Like they still then after that go to Nebraska. So I'm like, I think he already had received the job offer right before. Yeah, but how did he not lose it? I mean, like, how did he not Nebraska? How would they know there wasn't internet? How was he not fired from his job? after such a public display mm. about his involvement with a student and then not only not, which if he were to be fired from that job, they, they would absolutely find out in Nebraska and, and fire him. Mm. I, I, yeah. Unless just nobody cared on either end, which is either the film didn't care the, or the institutions didn't care. We didn't get enough from the institution to decide whether or not it was a commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other thing is that, you know, so the scene in the beach, which is the only real like eighties scene we get, which is just like gratuitous wealth. Let's drive a Corvette in salt water <laughs> by the, by our feet. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they're like, they start, they have their first kiss mm-hmm. and then he sticks his hand down her, dress he immediately goes for the boob i'm like guys 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 and he's kiss for at least a minute or something at least before you go for a boob and definitely go for outer outer boob okay first off yeah i would say not that you know not a part of a section no we're not a seduction community per se but we would probably advocate hands on hips maybe shoulders first yeah and then Maybe As they outer. start to move around, feel, feel the where they're willing situation. to accept you on the outside. <laughs> and then, you know, in a public place, 
probably don't look for anything inside at all. Mm-hmm. Probably don't look outside of like the navel, you know, <laughs> like the navel. Mm-hmm. But are you flicking me off right now? No, no, it's no. <laughs> just my natural resting position. Middle finger up at you. <laughs> no, I really wasn't. That OK, um, but yeah, so that moment mm-hmm. was uh, improvised by Jack Nicholson what? and he just did it without no. talking to her. What an asshole. Yeah. Come and, on, and, and, you know, people talk about like, you know, oh, Jack Nicholson. That's the thing that I, I kept finding myself like struggling because he is so, I thought he was like such a great actor in the, in this movie. And part of that is he just like really goes for everything. And he quote unquote, never does the same thing twice. So everyone stays on edge. Mm. But like part of that is him taking upon himself to be like, Oh, I'm going to spice it up in this scene. I'm going to put my hand down her dress. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I didn't, I never like him as an actor and I didn't, personally think he was doing such a great job because I just felt like I was like, oh, this is just Jack Nicholson doing all these things, you know, like, and especially when he's hitting on like the younger women and he's trying, you know, I was like, ah, this just is you just speaking your truth that happens to be in lines, you know, it was my like feeling just because I just get that feeling from him. Um, and well, and his, like his Hollywood history just also validates it. So, but bizarrely though, I, the, in the film, it seems to be somewhat okay because much of the film is about humiliating that persona. Yeah. Even sure. when they, when they go to have dinner in his house and he's got this wall of right. photos of photos. him as an astronaut. Right. And, and in my head, yeah. I was like, my immediate thing was like, whoop, glory days. <laughs> and then sure enough, she was like, this is just so sad. Right. You yeah. know? And it's like, boom, calls it out totally. first thing. Yeah. Yeah. Shirley McLean was a really great character. Um, she's an actor, but her character, her character was, um, shall we, are we, are you good? No, I'm not good. Okay. Because we haven't talked about Patsy. Okay. Patsy sucks. Patsy sucks. Okay. Say more. What? Okay. (laughs) So she, this is Emma's best I presume that she's an actor because, well, she lived in LA and then she lived in New York. She moved from Houston to LA and -hmm. then from LA to New York. So my, presumption is that it has something to do with acting now she made some comment about like after her divorce that she loved dating jews i know i was like what is this and just and talking about like they were so they just wanted to make she they just wanted to make you feel like they understood all your secrets so i just you know i wanted to make sure i had some Mm -hmm. you know like Weird. What are you saying? Weird. Yeah, I know that was a very weird moment. And then also she like wants to take Deborah Winger to um, New York so she can see New York. But then like plans all these really bizarre things that I feel like are just bad friend moves Mm. where she like takes her to dinner with some friends yeah. um, it, at that little cottagey restaurant in Brooklyn bridge park that I, it does exist, but I don't know what it's called. Um, but she, but she was like, you know, they, they treat her like she's some, you know, country bumpkin because mm-hmm. she's been a stay at home mom and she's from Houston. And then, mm-hmm. um, then she has like this giant townhouse party for her as well. It's like, why are you surrounding her with all these people? She should know. 
take ride the Staten Island ferry at mm-hmm. night so that you can ride back and see the city. You know, mm-hmm. do just like all the cheesy stuff so that she can have that experience before she dies. Don't like make her hang out with people where she's just on display as having cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, also, something to note because I just noticed like the way that they talk about cancer. I was just like. Because it, it, well, the film makes a big point about like they these especially the New York women they're comfortable with talking about divorce and STDs and abortions and all these things. But when her cancer comes up, they get incredibly mm-hmm. awkward. Um, well, the book was written in seventy five, but yeah, the book was written. Uh, I'm going to verify that right now. But the book was written very shortly after. Um, Something called the, I didn't really know was the thing, but it was the war on cancer, which was, it started in 1971 with a bill passed by Nixon to increase cancer research and funding. But it was this massive attempt to, to raise the conversation about, about cancer and get kind of get cancer out of the shadows. So, I mean, you know, so basically from before I was born, you know, cancer has been like a huge part of my family and like, it's sad, you know, obviously like it's very, you know, because you're, you're losing someone, but the idea of cancer never really experienced much of like a stigma or this, this feeling that it should be, you know, talked about in a hushed tone. Well, to me, it was more just about the idea of like, they just were told that she has potentially terminal cancer, you know, and like that, what that does to like the dynamic of like, how do I speak to this person who's in front of me, you know? Right. But I also am, I am adding a layer to the cultural context, which is that especially at the time that the book was written, having uh, a de de stigmatizing and demystifying uh, cancer mm-hmm. was like on the immediate agenda so far as to be, uh, con- you know, recognized by Congress, mm-hmm. um, which to be devil's advocate, like, doesn't mean that that has already like th- if the they decided to like pass a thing to try to help destigmatize cancer, that means that like people on the people level may not yet be there, right? That they were like Agreed. we acknowledge there should be, but the film also takes place. Uh, the film is also coming out tw- uh, thirteen, twelve years after said bill and. Uh, eight years after the publication of the book. Sure. So a little bit of time to, to catch up. Cause I did, th- I did think the scene was so funny when she like tells the women in New York, like, you know, you don't have to like, it's just cancer. Like they don't mm-hmm. have to, you know, you treat it like it's anything. And so then the very, it cuts to the party. And the first thing that you right. get is, so Patsy says you have cancer and she just like <laughs> right. spits. Yeah. yeah. I thought, yeah, it was, that was really funny. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the last thing I just don't want to leave without saying is I thought that it was really interesting that the mom, you know, they, they had this open relationship where they talk about, you know, like sexual appetites and like willingly and openly, which is a bit that I found like, wow, definitely, definitely don't have that. Um, but the fact that the mom recommends that she get, um, an abortion, Mm -hmm. I thought was, was, uh, very, 
unbefore seen. Yeah, I mean, I, it felt to me like just kind of indicative of the rest of the way that they talk to it. Like, you know, that um, whether or not, you know, they are either, whether or not the mother is like, believes abortions are a good thing, you know, she's like, well, you don't have money. You, I can't give you money. Mm-hmm. Just get an abortion. You know, like people are doing in the in the right. sort of like potent. You know, there's lots of people who are hypocritical about their views on abortion until it affects them. Um, oh, yeah. But you know, but yeah, and I, I totally. I mean, I was trying to imagine. It's really, really hard to imagine this relationship just because, like, I don't have a mother who is single and dating and so like you know like i'm not gonna ask her to talk to me about my dad because that's my dad right but if it was somebody else you know and like then like then i could maybe, totally yeah. maybe see that and i just and like that also kind of adding to the the really interesting unique relationship that they do have i was like right. i buy it with this with this relationship oh yeah. and patsy wanted to separate the children she just loved the daughter most yeah i know but to be like they should be together well, after the death of their she, mom. No, I just want to take I think the, she, tr- the girl to We New never York. get to see what she actually says, but I feel like she would, She was probably like, I'll take care of them, but everybody knows it's just because she loves the girl and she doesn't care about the boys, you know. But maybe she did say, I'll just take the daughter. I don't know. It, we just Unclear. Don't know. It unclear. Is unclear at best. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's do it. Let's, let's do reassess. the old reassess. Ready? S. Just listo. Lista. Lista. I'm ready. Um, I'm sticking with my, I think, just terms of endearment still. What do you think? Uh, God. I mean, I think that you're fucking... Screw it. We have enough movies. Sure. Let's get rid of it. Let's check it. You know, it is very I mean, bizarre too, because it was like to. a, yeah. you know, uh, it was the one that I probably watched the most as a totally. kid. Because it used to, it, yeah. I used to say it was my favorite because, and I, I think just cause I remembered like Jabba the Hutt and the Ewoks the most, you know, for me, it was that it was the one that had the most dramatic, uh, like most even footed mm. lightsaber battle at the mm. end. It was a very cool lightsaber yeah. battle. Um, so that's like what I remember the most about it. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like filled with lots of things that are bad. <laughs> and yeah. if they're also on top of the, on top of that characterologically inconsistent when they had virtually unlimited resources mm-hmm. by virtue of like the fact that they had already been for years r- running like the biggest franchise right. ever uh, they could have done anything and they could have mm-hmm. they could have gotten it right and they didn't they probably didn't because they didn't have to yeah sorry return of the jedi i'm very sorry sorry um okay well i oh well let's do the whole so next week it's 1984 oh, which oops, spooky year do not know spooky Actually, year what happens well next year is beverly hills cop right. which i've actually i've never, I've seen, never seen it but it is like people love it apparently it's good oh oh we're getting a nod from yeah, thumbs up yeah whoa <laughs> um and then also amadeus oh cool I, you've seen that i have i have not I've, i mean i have read and seen equus at least twice on both counts but I have yeah. never different story. Yeah. Obviously. No, but, but no, I know, same. I know. Clay, Peter Schaefer, right? Or whatever. Yeah, I would call him Schaffer. Sh- it's, two it's two Schaefer, F's. It's two F's. But 
you know. It's important. Um, We're going to stick with this point for at least five more minutes. Sure. And I, and I will say, I just want to give a nice little uh, bebop palula to what a great year in music okay. next year is. When does cry? What's love got to do with it? Say, say, say. Footloose. Against all odds. Take a look at me now. Jump. Hello. Owner of a lonely heart. Ghostbusters and Karma Chameleon. I mean, literally, was, every time that we have read... That was a beautiful poem you just made. Why, well, thank you. By combining all those titles. Oh, man. It. Are you segueing us into another poem? Perhaps. Oh, my God. But I just want to point out, every other time we've read the top ten, there's been, like, two that I either don't mm-hmm. know or don't care about. And so every single one of those. Uh, 1984. Contrary to popular belief, great year. Mm, oh, so controversial. Um, great. To George well, we are a Rock Rising Productions podcast. Is that your haiku? Uh, no, but this is how it works. This is our ending thing. So we finish everything and then we do that, Okay, right? fine. Yes, we are a Rock Rising Productions that, podcast. So, mm-hmm. You can follow Rock Rising Productions on Instagram at, at Rock Rising Productions. Julie? Yeah. Julie? Is it at Rock Rising Productions? At Rock Rising Inc. Inc. We already know this because everyone follows them. But at Rock Rising Inc., you can also follow us at, at Should We Keep This on Instagram. Very exciting. That's right. That's, That's right. The are. exciting. All right. To close this off. Oh, well, first, I'm going to give you. Oh, my hashtag. Hashtag. My I have hashtag. two choices for you. Sicko. Sicko. The first mode. one's mostly a joke because it's impossible. Aren't they all jokes? Um, no, one is real. Oh, sorry. Okay. Option number one Hayden Christensen's ghost. It's the wrong one, because, but it's just fun to, fun to imagine what you might hashtag. Because it's just too lengthy. It's too lengthy. Gotcha. But number one, number number one, nope, number one comes first. So this is number two. Um, hashtag water of the womb. Water of the womb. <laughs> That's where you're going this week. Oh, man. Can't wait to see what you do. Um, to close this out, here we go. Haiku number one. Mm. <clears throat> Phone calls and affairs. Don't you know I'm a grandma? Go get some, Shirley. That's my first haiku. Number two. Dear Mr. Lucas, your feelings have betrayed you. Too many Ewoks. Nice. And with that, we say farewell. Farewell. Good night. Farewell. And good luck. Good day. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.